Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. How do you tell someone that they've got a massive blind spot? That's the topic of today's conversation. I'm with Corinne Cantor. Hello. And Liana Sangster. Hey, Dom. And we're looking at a letter from one of our listeners who's dealing with this problem. So let's get into it. Dear Culture Bites, one of my team consistently assesses her abilities as being above average and exceptional. While she is driven and a skilled professional, I regularly need to intervene and identify areas for improvement, highlighting that she's on par at most with where she should be given her experience and time with the company. Aside from raising concrete examples, how do you alter the perception of an employee and create awareness that is in line with your own? So it sounds like we've got a manager here who's got a, a team member who's kind of thinks they're a bit of a superstar, but other people aren't seeing that and perhaps tried raising examples in the past, but it just doesn't seem to get through. So what could they do? It's a curious one, Dom, because I suspect that there's a lot more to this story than is immediately apparent in the paragraph that we've got. So one of the things that I noticed just in in reading it is that, so first of all, it's really important to for the leader to think about what is specifically the problem and why is it a problem and who is it a problem for? So I'd be working through that with them so that they've got some clarity. I'm not clear. So they say that they are aside from raising concrete examples, how do you alter the perception? So I'm not clear whether they have done that or whether they realize they should do that and they haven't. So one of the issues with this, I think, is clearly a conversation has to happen that speaks to the pattern of behavior rather than dissecting each and every single little example. Because the issue here isn't the content of what happened today, it's that it's happened time and time again. And one of the tripping points for a leader when I look at this, I get the image of a a manager who's probably really frustrated and been watching this time and time again, but probably hasn't had the conversation or hasn't had the conversation to best effect. Maybe they've tried, but it hasn't gotten across. So it's really important that conversation happens because what happens when a leader is watching this happening and they're getting frustrated and nothing seems like it's working, you, your frustration gets to a point where suddenly you are making the person wrong. The problem, they become the problem rather than they're probably okay, but the behavior is what you have an issue with. So it's important for them just to distinguish that in their mind. So I think the starting point is being really clear about what is the issue, who is it an issue for, and why it's important to do something about it, what's in it for them. And the other point that I'd say is the leader needs to talk about the pattern. And to start with what they they value about the person, what they're doing well, but also state really clearly, my expectation is at this point in your career talk to them about what their goals are, but to be clear about the standard that you're expecting. Because at the moment, it sounds like this is not fun for the leader and it's certainly probably not fun for their reportee because she's having to pick up time and time again, you know, so it must be feeling like Groundhog Day. And so there's no, there's no change 
and there is just mounting frustration. And I would think that if it continued for the employee, you'd get a drop in their motivation. Mm. So that's really where the manager's coming in because they say, I regularly need to intervene and identify. Mm, so mm. I guess they feel like they're bringing it up all the time. Mm. But there's the question of, are they talking about the pattern mm. or the individual mm. circumstances? It's, and then does the person, do they hear the pattern or are they just hearing the specific case? Mm, mm. I mean, it's interesting, right? If you find yourself having the same conversation over and over again, something has to change, right? So if you're habitually doing the same thing, but getting the same, not getting the outcome you're after, we need to dial it back and think about, okay, we need to approach this differently is what I hear when I when I look at this. So whatever the approach that's been currently using isn't working, I would probably mirror what Corinne said in that when I read this, I feel like there is a bit of frustration coming through from this individual, which is understandable. The language use is around intervening, identifying areas for improvement. And so what I what I find with individuals is that they are more likely to be triggered into threat or defensive mode if there is perhaps a propensity to point out flaws, but not actually bring them along the journey or get them to kind of self-identify their areas of development. Now, perhaps this individual has tried that, but try to veer away from behaviors that send people to the threat state. Because when you're in that zone, what you're going to get is, no, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, there's defensiveness that comes out naturally, right? We try to protect ourselves when we feel like we might be attacked in some emotional, personal way. So one of I think there's a, there's a bit of reflection on if the, if the conversation hasn't been working to date, what needs to shift? And then secondly, how do you get that individual to self-discover some of those things by building in, I guess, a more trusting relationship? I'd say there's a lack of alignment between these two in terms of expectations and what the job requires. So that has to happen. There's not common ground between them mm. at the moment because if there was, they wouldn't have this issue. So the first thing is always going back to being really clear about what I expect and how they're being measured and how they're being assessed in terms of performance. I would also be doing more checking in, so coaching conversation. So at Mm. the moment it sounds like I have to step in, okay? So where is the conversation that's just about let's talk about your role? You know, I've been in the team now for X amount of time and I'm, you know, really interested in how you're finding it. So it's really about connecting starting with, I guess, empathy, but the empathy is about connecting so I can understand it from their point of view, but also using that as an opportunity to say, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I notice, and there is pattern, and I'd like us to take a step back and take a moment and renegotiate how we, you know, how this role works. So I think there's that reset, the button, the reset button has to be hit the expectations need to be aligned and the clarity around how the role does what it does and the standards required, get them to self-assess and to share in your observations, talking about the pattern, not the minutiae, not each example. The problem, and it's really normal, but it's akin, I think, you know, when sometimes you're talking to somebody who doesn't speak. So the analogy reminds me of is, you're talking to somebody who doesn't speak English and often people will just speak louder, you know, and that's, you know, wrong, wrong solution, wrong problem. So what happens is when we start to deep, you know, dive into the minutiae, this example, this example, this, and we treat each example, there's, you often get stuck in a point, counterpoint, a table tennis conversation because 
she's probably going to have a really good reason why it didn't work out the way and you get caught in this spiral, you know, this these volleys, point and counterpoint, and it is never where the issue is. So if leaders can go up into the pattern and the way that you do that is you talk about what's real. We've been working together for X, you've been doing this role. What I've noticed is when X happens, Y responds. And so you describe the pattern that you see and that description is based on what you've seen. And if you do it that way, you remove some of the interpretation because what you're doing or the judgment, so they don't go into that threat state or less likely to, and you're describing and laying the information there for them to respond to rather than accusing them. So is there a way of doing it as well? Because I think sometimes these conversations, it can feel like you're on trial a bit, right? And so it's about, okay, I'm actually here to try and help you develop because Mm. ultimately, like I'm a manager who I need to get a task done, right? We need to get some Mm. stuff done as a team, but I'm also trying to grow you because if you're better, then we're going to be better at getting tasks done. So it's about framing that up. And Mm. I wonder if in the situation, or it's very general anyway, is that these kind of development discussions are saved for the once a year review or maybe twice a year review, but they're very rare. So, I mean, I know from my own experience that I'd come into my end of year review and I'd, like a lawyer, I've kind of written up my case for why I should, you know, why I'm brilliant or whatever, because, (laughs) you know, a lot wrote on it. And so I wonder, is, is there a different approach that we could take to these kind of conversations that can reframe it? I mean, I think to start with, you need to be having more open robust discussions, two-way conversations frequently with people that um, are reporting to you or in your team. So creating opportunities for that discussion where feedback, inverted commas, feedback is not about needing to prove yourself once or twice a year, as you said, Dom, but actually making it more of a habitual process. How are we going on this? You know, Can we revisit the arrangement or the expectations for this particular project? How do you think you went? What do we think we can improve on? Making it a normal part of your conversation and more frequently is is one way, I think, to address that because I, the way those performance discussions, I think, are set up in organizations now is a kind of a tick the box, right? So we go in and you know we've done our performance discussion tick, but actually the purpose underneath those discussions is for ongoing growth, ongoing development. They're for tracking you know, your performance next to what, what's the objective of our team or our organization. And so it's a way of keeping yourself firmly actually in that achievement-oriented space where you're constantly checking in on goals and commitments made. Um, So those conversations need to be two-way. They need to be frequent and they need to be revisiting what is our purpose, what is our goal, what are we trying to achieve here to check in on clarity of expectations and delivery against those. One of the things I think is important too is that sometimes if there's a really tough issue, you can't put any spin on that. You know, Mm -hmm. so sometimes I think that when we talk about being constructive, leaders make it about being nice Mm -hmm. and about sugarcoating something that's actually a problem. So I think that we've got to stop thinking about how do we go softly, softly, and really how do we be respectfully straight? And because what's at issue here is also the trust in the relationship. So you are much better served by being honest find your way to be honest and straight around what the issue is. I find that, and I've, you know, had to learn this myself, is it takes a lot of pressure off you 
if you are not trying to make it okay for them, you aren't, you know, and you're just sort of being straight about what you think the issue is but being really respectful is the key thing. And sometimes the way that you express that is to say, we need to talk. I have noticed whatever I've noticed and I think we've got a disconnect between you and I. Mm. So there are ways of having a straight conversation that isn't about trying to make you feel good about some bad news that I've got to deliver to you. I think that's the balance, isn't it? Is I'm not coming in here to smash you either. Yeah. But I'm also not coming here to make you feel good. I'm coming yeah. here to try and give you some, you know, be respectfully straight with you and your performance. And I think that's a real challenge for a lot of managers. Mm, totally. And it, the brushing it under the carpet situation ends up making it worse, right? So it's really natural to kind of feel uncomfortable with those conversations. It's very human to feel uncomfortable with it. The number of people out there that are avoiding one conversation or not, I mean, all of us have done it at some point or another or continue to. And once again, the consequence underpinning that if you're not having those direct conversations is that frustration breeds. And so then the situation does become worse than perhaps really what a conversation, a very direct conversation could actually have achieved and sort of hit the nail on the head faster than uh, letting it fester for a long period of time. It sounds like reading the letter, I mean, the manager's saying that they do regularly mm. point out these examples and so on, but it's not getting through because yeah. I, I think yep. it's it's different in that this person, they don't only not see it as a potential weakness, but they actually think they're performing really Correct. well, right? So, yeah. mm. so that's almost harder because it's such a mm. different worldview, right? Mm. You've got, you're at total opposite ends of the mm. spectrum kind of thing. So. How do you get through to people? Because yeah. in our coaching practice, we see people who have a real blind spot on their behavior. They mm. think they're one way, but they're doing, everyone else is seeing something quite different. So how do you get through to those people? I think you've got to, the leader here has to, as they've said, create awareness around the state of play, what's happening here. So in a role, like in this instance, it's, it's awareness is one part of it, and acceptance and then action. Without the awareness the person involved can't really overcome that blind spot. They have to be aware of it in order to accept it. And when they've understood it and they really accept it, then it can move to action and action leads to change. So I think the first step is right, creating awareness. And I wonder in this particular instance, one of the you know things that I would suggest if it isn't already being there. So often people have position descriptions for their roles, but most position descriptions are just laundry lists of activities. So I think if that's the kind of PD that this person's likely to have, what the leader needs to do is just fill that out with what positive contribution and outcomes look like, but also maybe there are levels at which this role can be done. Okay, so if I use the terminology, it doesn't have to be this, but it could be new to the role, new to the organisation, a beginner, okay, and then or a novice, sometimes they call it that, a proficient and then excellent. And so what the leader could do is identify maybe the four key responsibility areas of the role, identify what are the levels of those performance. It doesn't have to be a massive template or a massive format. It might just be done on a page. And then use that as a way of talking to the direct report and saying, okay, this is how I see the role. This is what I'm looking and the organization's looking for this role to deliver, where do you see yourself? And use that as a tool for a discussion to create awareness and to have the discussion 
to raise the issues respectfully and in a straight way around where do you see yourself and this is where I see you. So, yeah, so what would you do if they said, I see myself as, you know, exceptional performer across the board? And at some point you're going to have to say, I don't share that. You might not say it like that or maybe you would, but at some point that is the nub of the issue here that you have to say you have a different view and these are the reasons why I have a different view. You would balance that. Hopefully this is a possibility. You'd balance it by saying what you do see that is strong, what you do see that is working in order to talk about the stuff that's not, that needs work, if I can put it that way. What do you think, Liana? I'm deep in thought over here. Yeah, I, I uh, the blind spots. Often when I come across clients that have a blind spot, when I'm talking to not the individual but the person, the leader of that individual, there's two reasons why they're locked in that blind spot. One is that they are feeling like they need to defend themselves, which means I'm going to paint a glorified picture of of what I'm doing because it's kind of like a denial space in many respects. It's a security mode. The other thing is I really don't know. I don't really see the gap between what excellence is and what I'm currently doing. So there's just a mismatch there to Corinne's earlier point around the clarity. And so it sounds like that individual does fall maybe in that bucket. Potentially there's a mixture of both. I'm not entirely clear. But I would say one of the things that I would get that individual to do is to start to articulate if we were operating just to build on what Corinne uh, suggested that if we were operating at this, ex- let's say, exceptional space, what will we see? Mm. You know, so if you were someone who was working in an organization and you were required to build relationships like a key stakeholder across the business, if I'm doing a really great job, I'm going to be inundated with queries from other people that are, you know, so create some tangible examples of the behaviors or the outcomes that individual might see if they were operating at that exceptional level so that they could then really grasp what that looks like. So the the other thing that you could do is actually get the the individual involved in gathering that information. So, for example, and this is a good thing for everybody to do, is to interview their stakeholders, okay, about what they need, the level at which they need it, and, and get their direct report to actually have those discussions, or they could do that together and put something like that. So then it's taking direct reports, such such a impersonal term, but I'm <laughs> yeah. going to stick with that. So it's taking it out of my own worldview about what I think's needed and connecting with the people who are invested in what I do and including that as mm. part of my understanding of what's required, how it's required, and the level at which it needs to be delivered. So it's almost getting... They reinforcement from other sources, I suppose, yeah. right? So it's not yeah. just like if I'm the, the person in the team, it's not just my manager saying it. If I can actually hear it from other voices, mm. then maybe I have to stop saying, well, it's just it's just her, it's just my mm. manager. Actually, maybe I have to listen because now mm. three, four, five people mm. are saying consistent themes. And on the other side, the manager might learn that what she thinks or he thinks is an issue may not be an issue for the stakeholders. Mm. So it's, yeah. it's a good calibration for both people. It's fantastic advice. What I captured from this conversation was around knowing, you know, how is it a problem? Why is it a problem? And who is it a problem for? And that could even tie into that stakeholder analysis that we just talked about. Talking about the the pattern of behavior rather than the specific examples. So they don't just go into justifying a particular case because they probably have a million reasons why, but talking about the pattern being clear on the standards. So we talked about the position description and talking about what does a 
novice and intermediate and an exceptional performance look like and being clear because they might be measuring by two different yardsticks Mm. so being crystal clear on what those are having those coaching conversations more regularly so not saving it up like a big dam and then the, the water bursts once a year and we let them know what we think of them and surprise them sometimes and people defend themselves but really really having that conversation consistently all the time so it's not kind of a prosecution but rather that development conversation and then don't sugarcoat it be respectfully straight and that's something that can be tough but but we have to do if if we're going to help people grow and develop we have to be respectfully straight with them fantastic advice guys i hope that helps our listener who wrote in if you have a question that you'd love us to answer you can send it to us at podcast at human-synergistics.com.au we'd love to answer them so write in thanks guys thanks Tom thanks Tom